0: Amen. Well, we are so thankful this morning to gather and to worship, and we are beginning a series this morning uh, entitled God is. God is. And we're going to attempt over the coming three weeks to fill in uh, that blank. Uh, And I want to encourage you to think about when you think of that phrase, God is blank. What, What comes to your mind? What things do you think of? What words would you put in that Blank space there. And and to be honest, uh, the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear God is blank, uh, for each of us, that answer could be very different very, very different. And so we're going to attempt over the coming weeks to fill in that blank from God's word. And so I do want to encourage you as well. We mentioned it last week, and I believe it is in your bulletin as well. Uh, If you would like to follow along and take some notes, you can obviously take notes on your own. That is more than encouraged. If you would like a copy of my actual outline, we can do that as well. Just reach out to me and let me know you'd like that. Or uh, last week we introduced on our app North Goodland BC in your app store, you can actually find a outline there with some fill in the blanks. Uh, It's a simple outline, but it's the majority of what we're going to be talking about this morning. And so if you go into our app and then go into media and then you'll see sermon notes, Click on that, and then you should see today's date, and that graphic actually will be there as well. Click on that, and then that'll take you into the notes for this morning. So whether you're taking notes uh, on your own using the app, we encourage you to just write some things down that you can go back later and study through as God would lead you to be encouraged in that. Um, And so again, uh, how would you answer that question? God is... Blank. And again, as I said a moment ago, I think many of us would answer that question vastly different depending on our life experiences. So here's what I mean by that. Some of you have majority of your life or a lot of your life, you've been blessed. You've had family, you've had uh, success in your field of, of work or career, you've been blessed in many ways, you have a nice home. And so for you, you would say the majority of your life, God is good, God is loving, God is kind. life experiences or things that you've gone through, your answer might be a lot different. You may say something like, God is mean, God is vindictive, God is angry, God is critical, God is is over-aggressive, and he's always trying to punish me. You might try to describe it in more negative ways because you've had, maybe in your life, negative life experiences. And I think when we do that, when we start with our own experiences, our own life experiences, we, we taint who God really is. We change who God really declares himself to be. So that's why I said a moment ago, what we're going to do this morning is we're not going to fill in that blank with our experiences in mind. We're going to fill in that blank with God's word. We're going to look through the lens of God's word and we'll say, how does God declare himself in the word of God? Who does God declare himself to be? And so over the coming weeks, the three weeks, and I know that sounds hard to believe. Three weeks for a sermon series. Pastor John, I don't know. And some people even said something on Facebook. You believe that? Called me out online. I won't tell you their names, but their initials are Ashley Parmalee and... So I'm just going to ask you pray for them. <laughs> Vic Amador was in there, right? And I can't really say much because it's a reputation that I've kind of created. So I can't get too upset about it. But yeah, three, three weeks. And here's what I want to do over three weeks. I want us to grow in our depth of understanding of who God really is. Because beyond three weeks, your whole life as a follower of Christ is growing and understanding who God is. That's really what we're called to be as Christians, to dive into God's word and to grow in knowing him more. And when we know him more, we begin to fill that blank in with some different terms as God leads us through this life. See, we don't let our experience dictate who God is. God dictates who he is, and that changes how we view our experiences. So when I have a bad day or a negative situation or a trial, or as we said last week when we celebrated the Voice of the Martyrs International Day of Prayer, we prayed for the persecuted church, our brothers and sisters all over the world who are being persecuted for their faith, for just merely existing as a Christian, can you imagine how they would walk through the day if they let their experience of persecution dictate who God is? May they be defeated. They would think God doesn't care. They would think God has forgotten about them. But when they go to God's word and they realize who God declares himself to be, there's actual strength there. We all go through circumstances that we don't enjoy. We all go through trials and struggles. Some of them, the the outpouring of our own decisions. Some of them, the choices of others that we're wrapped up in the effect of. But however you want to look at it, we all go through bad times, negative times, trials and struggles. And the key we have to go back to is who does God say that he is? Because that's where my strength is found. That's where my foundation is found. And the Christian life is really just a continual learning and growing and knowing that. And I think sometimes we have forgotten that. And we think we've figured it out. Because you grew up in church. Or your parents were in ministry. Or you have a lot of knowledge in the word of God. It was amazing. Uh, I was able to uh, have a conversation. We were just talking, uh, driving somewhere, Anthony and I. We were talking about that very thing. That there are a lot of people who have knowledge of God's word, but don't have a relationship with Christ. And sometimes we think, if I can just grow a lot of knowledge about God, that that would help me out. You see, knowledge of God is a lot different than knowing him as Lord and Savior. And we are called to know him. And then once we know him as our Lord and Savior, now we grow in understanding who he declares himself To be And so this morning, the first thing we want to do to fill in that blank is we're going to fill it in with the word faithful. God is faithful. If you have a copy of God's word, turn to Psalm chapter 62. Psalm chapter 62. If you're using one of the Bibles provided, you can turn to page 429. So in the seats there, there are some Bibles provided. Page 429, if you're using one of those. Psalm 62. So turn there with me or scroll there with me if you're on a device. But Psalm chapter 62 and verse 7. Psalm 62 and verse 7. I love this. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. We could just spend all day right there. I guess I would ask this question. You don't have to answer out loud, but just right there between you and the Lord, would you say verse seven is true of your life and your testimony right now? Would you say definitively, God is my salvation and my glory. Your glory is not in yourself or what you do. Your glory is in him because that's where we glory is in the father and in Christ, the rock of my strength. Where do you find your strength? In your abilities, in your intelligence, in your successes, in your checkbook, in your home, in your relationships, or do you find it in him? And my refuge, that place of security, is in God. So where do you find your place of security, your place of of comfort? Is it in a substance? Is it in a relationship? Or is it in the person of Jesus Christ? And so just even in that one verse, just take a moment and ask God, God, reveal to me where I am finding my strength in these areas of my life. But verse 8, this is where we're really going to draw out here this opening phrase. Trust in him at all times. You people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. You see, the challenge here is to question and to ask the question, is God really faithful? And if God is faithful, then we need to trust him. We need to trust him. The psalmist tells us to trust in him at all times. There is never a time in our lives where we are exempt from trusting in him. Every day of every moment of our lives, we are challenged and encouraged and called to trust in him. In your notes, there's a, a quote here. I heard an author say this years ago, and it's still true today. What we worry about the most reveals where we trust God the least. What we worry about the most, what is that area of your life you worry about the most that you find yourself losing sleep over? We all have these moments. We all get concerned or we're worrisome about things. We get wrapped up in being fearful of something. Maybe for some of you, Tuesday, there was a lot of worry. But praise God, we still gather in his name. We still worship the same God. He didn't leave his throne on Wednesday morning because things didn't go the way you wanted. I'll be honest with you guys. I was, I was heartbroken on Wednesday morning. Has nothing to do with any p- politician or any person. It has to do with our state passing something that I believe puts in direct harm unborn children. And those lives are Valuable. Children's lives are not valuable just after they are born. They're valuable before they're born because they're created in the image of God. But here's the thing. I was heartbroken on Wednesday morning, but my God was still on his throne Wednesday morning. And my God is still good on Wednesday morning. And we gather in his name to worship him and we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I mentioned it to somebody Wednesday night just in passing. I said, I know it's tough, but our fix, our eyes fixed on him has never changed. If you took your eyes off of him and put it on something else, that's not on him. That's on you. So where do we fix our gaze? Hebrews. We put our eyes on him. Why? Because he's the author and finisher of our faith. So we fix our eyes on Christ. Christ. We set our eyes on him. Why? Because we trust in him. Billy Graham, I I heard the sermon a long time ago. It's gone around Facebook quite a few times. And I don't know if you really ever listened to Billy Graham, but on YouTube, you can find a lot of his sermons and stuff. And I went through this thing where I just was like listening to a bunch of his messages and I was amazed and I shouldn't have been because God's word doesn't change. But I was amazed how much of it applied to today's day and age. Messages from the 50s and the 60s that you could literally just preach that same message today and it would be applicable to what's going on in our world. Because the human condition has still fallen as it was then and it's always been since the garden. We still need the same things, salvation through Christ alone. And he was preaching this message and it's a famous thing where he was saying where he trusts. He says, I don't trust in Washington. I don't trust in this. I don't trust in that. I don't trust in myself. I trust in Jesus Christ. The psalmist says we are to trust in him at all times, what we worry about the most reveals where we trust God the least. And so I just want to pose it to you to think about that. What is that for you? What is that area that you worry about the most that maybe God is leading you to understand you trust him the least in that area? So if we are encouraged to trust God in all things at all times, in order to do that practically, I must believe that God is faithful. So the question we ask is, is God faithful? We say God is faithful and people say amen, but is God faithful? We're going to break this apart this morning. So in your notes there, the first thing we're talking about is, is God faithful? That's the question we're asking. And then we're going to answer that question with three simple points. The first thing we must know is he was faithful before. He was faithful before. Again, I don't just mean in our own lives. Again, your experience is not the key. Well, he's been faithful to me, so I see him as faithful. He's not been faithful to me, so I don't see him as faithful. Now we have to understand that in the word of God, we read of various examples of God's faithfulness going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That all through God's word, we can read countless story after countless story after countless story of the way God was faithful. He was faithful. And this is an important point in our lives. We may believe we have not seen the faithfulness of God on display. However, we are not limited to merely our own experience. We are blessed with the word of God and we can read of the faithfulness of God. We're not stuck in just our experience of his faithfulness. Well, I've never seen God really show up like I read in the word of God. That's okay. He doesn't have to prove it again. He's already done it once. He was faithful. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of years of recorded history for us in scripture that reveals that God's character is one of faithfulness. This is what gives the psalmist endurance when they reflected on God's provision in the past. When you read the book of Psalms, and we've said this before, we read the book of Psalms so many times. It talks about that God allows the psalmist to go through a situation that they don't understand. God, where are you? God, the wicked are prospering. God, look at this. God, look at that. God, why have you left me? And at some point in the psalm, the psalmist begins to dwell on what God has done. Where God has demonstrated his love, his kindness, his grace, his power, his mercy. And the psalmist begins to change the psalm from a psalm of lament to a psalm of praise. To a psalm of, God, thank you for this and thank you for that. And God, you've done this and God, you've done that. We've been studying on Wednesday nights through the book of Exodus. And the baseline all the way through the Old Testament, if you read through it, often from the psalms to the books of the law, through the prophets, often, the author of that book will refer back to the Exodus. But it was God that led you out of the bondage of slavery. It was God that crossed you across the Red Sea. It was God that brought you into the promised land. It was God that provided manna for you. And so often we overlook the Old Testament. We think, well, those are just, you know, old Bible stories I learned in Sunday school. But do you realize for the psalmist and for many in the Old Testament, the baseline for the goodness of God was the Exodus, the delivering them from captivity? In bondage. And they would refer back to that moment to say, God, this is who we know you are. You were faithful. Now, some of you here this morning, you've experienced that faithfulness of God in the past. You've seen at some moment in the past where God was faithful. Where there was all kinds of opposition. Then people were telling you, it's not going to work out. It's not going to happen. There's no way this is going to take place. And then God showed up. And God intervened and God was faithful. You see, we have to know that he was faithful in the past. Maybe you haven't seen that displayed, but the word of God records it for us. And if you have seen the faithfulness of God in the past, I know it's true of me. We have horrible memory when it comes to this, don't we? We're horrible at this. I mean, God could be so good to us and deliver us and provide a need for us or bring a healing in some way if his will is that, and that he he delivers us from this thing. And then, man, we're praising him and we're rejoicing in him and everything's great. And then one thing doesn't go our way. One thing goes in contradiction to what we think it should be. And where do our minds go? Right to that trial. God, why would you do this? God, where'd you go? And we completely forget that he was so good to us. We think our circumstances changes the character of God. And it's not true. God's character of faithfulness is who he is. It cannot change. It is who he is. God doesn't just display faithfulness. God is faithful. At his core, he is faithful. Because he was faithful, we can trust him. Not only was God faithful in the past, also in your notes there, you're going to see that he is faithful. He was faithful and he is faithful. Not only has he been faithful in the past, but right now, this morning, as you sit in that seat or watch online, he is faithful to you. Amen? He is currently sustaining you. That breath you just took, he gave that to you. He's faithful. By the way, that one you're going to take a couple hours from now, that's not guaranteed to you. But he's faithful. He's there for us. He's consistent. He doesn't leave us and forsake us. He doesn't walk away from us. We see this in in big ways sometimes, in current moments. We see it in small ways. But I want to ask you, just between you and him, Did you pause this morning and thank him for his faithfulness that he's demonstrating currently? Did you take a moment and say, God, I want to thank you for just being faithful to me, just being present with me? We see him move in answered prayer, we see him move in other situations. And we trust even in the present moment, right now, in this moment, he's working all things to good for his glory and your blessing so that he might demonstrate himself faithful so that we might glorify him. And he's doing it for our good, our blessing. And he is faithful to you. Man, I don't know about you, but I struggle sometimes to remember that he is faithful. He is faithful. Many of us, and I was going to ask someone to raise their hand, but I won't, I won't do that because I think every hand would go up. Many, if not all of us, have experienced someone failing us. Let's just think about it for a moment. I mean, you've had someone fail you. You've had someone fail an expectation. You've had somebody fail a commitment. You've had somebody fail in some way where they told you, no, 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 I'm always going to be there for you. I'm never going to leave. I'm always going to be here. I'm always going to do this. Nope, I'm going to get your back all the time. And then what happens? Life. Fallen people acting in fallen ways in a sinful and fallen world. And failed expectations take place. They let us down. They disappointed us. They broke our heart. They broke that trust. Because no matter how hard they wanted to, they could not be perfectly faithful in every area. And I've shared this before, but I remember I I spoke at a baccalaureate years ago. They didn't ask me back. I went a little long, if you can believe that. But I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I'm sure that had something to do with it. I think I was supposed to speak for like maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes. I think I went for like 40 minutes. I don't know. It was something like that. It was a long time ago. I can't remember such things. But, And I was only in ministry for a couple years and I was doing youth ministry. And so I was standing before uh, Emily city high school, the baccalaureate service. And I was speaking and I I said some things that got me in a little bit of trouble with some parents. And I shared this before, but if you haven't heard this, I, I was talking about how your parents will let you down. I said that now, let me just ask you, is that a false statement or a true statement? But I tell you what, I got cornered by a couple moms. One apparently of somewhat of importance in Emily City, who I didn't know. And they said, how dare you tell my son that I'm going to disappoint them? And I said, when I explained what I meant, I said, you guys are going to go off to school somewhere. You're going to go off into the real world somewhere. Your mom and dad will not be there 24-7 within their arm's reach. It's not going to happen. Your mom and dad are going to let you down at some point in your life. Your mom and dad are going to give bad advice because they're not perfect. They don't want to. They don't mean to. They want to be there for you, but they're never going to be there for you 24-7, 365. It's just not going to happen. But Jesus Christ will be there with you every step of every moment that you'll ever need and he's always a prayer away and he will never leave you or forsake you he'll never lead you astray and he'll always lead you to what's best for you and glorifies him and I had a mom pull me aside and it was kind of funny I had a couple of people in our church that were there and they just saw at a distance ooh he's getting lit up <laughs> cause I was probably like this and so many people there was a couple of people that came over and they like stepped in between us they're like hey great job preacher. Appreciate that. Thanks for that word to walk away. And I was just like, it's great. Right. But I asked this woman, I said, I, okay, first of all, I did, apo- I apologize for any offense. That was not my intent. But I asked this woman, I said, do you genuinely intend to, to be there for your children? Literally 365, 24 seven. Yep. I said, so you're going to go with them to college. You're going to follow them to their dorm room. You're going to stay with them in the dorm room. You're going to go to class with them. Your kid's not going to be real popular at college if that happens. I'm telling tell you right now. It's going to be a little weird, right? The authorities probably will be called in, okay? But here's the thing. We've all experienced someone letting us down. We don't intend to let people down. We don't want to. But here's the truth. No one in this room, myself included, can be 100% perfectly faithful to someone we love every single day for the rest of our lives. But Jesus, your Lord and Savior, who died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again because he was faithful. He is faithful. And when you go into tomorrow, maybe with disappointment from a failed expectation of someone who loves you and let you down, he will never let you down. Maybe you're here and you've been hurt in the past by someone who let you down and failed you. He'll never let you down. I would encourage you, we need to give forgiveness to those individuals. We need to extend forgiveness to them. We need to call them to repentance and do our best to encourage them to walk with Christ if there's a sin issue. But ultimately, we look to Jesus because people will hurt us, but he will never leave us. He is faithful. John chapter 14, verse 1. Just, I'm just going to reference it, but many of us have read this. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And the word believe speaks to the idea of, literally, to trust in Jesus or God as able to aid either in obtaining or in doing something, such as saving faith. So it starts with saving faith, but I want to focus on the definition here. To believe, as Jesus said in John 14, 1, speaks to the idea of to trust in Jesus or God as able to aid either in obtaining or in doing something. The New Living Translation translates John 14, 1 well, when it says, you trust in God, trust also in me. When we believe in Christ as our Lord and Savior and we receive that gift of saving faith that he, he imparts to us through repentance and grace alone and we begin to walk in Christ, our trust does not stop because we have eternal life. Our trust continues every single day because we trust in him, because we know he can do something. What can he do? He can keep us. He can walk with us. He can sustain us. And so if we trust in God, he says, trust also in me. He was faithful. He is faithful. And because he was and is faithful, we trust him in all things at all times. But not only was he and is he faithful, he will be faithful again. Hebrews chapter 13. Go with me there. Simple verse. Many of you know it, but I want to turn there. Hebrews 13 and verse 8 If you're using a Bible provided, page 850. 850 if you're using one of the Bibles provided. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. He was faithful. He is faithful. He will be faithful again. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. And I love this chapter. We were here last week. We referenced a verse here in Hebrews 13, speaking about being in bonds with those who are persecuted. But this verse, I know many of you have memorized this. You know it. But I pray that it speaks volumes to you today. And I pray that this is a, one of those foundational verses that gives us strength as we walk through this life. Verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday... Today, and for a little while longer, until something bad comes, until we mess up and change who he is, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. If he was faithful, if he is faithful, he will be faithful again. A simple but powerful truth. And I don't know about you, but I need that most days. Just curious, anyone else need that reminder most days that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever? That if he was faithful yesterday, he'll be faithful today, and he's faithful tomorrow? Because again, we don't live in a world like that. We don't live in a world where there's consistency and, and constancy. We want, people want that, but if we're being honest, every day that ebb and flow, right? Uh, some of us get in our emotions, and one day we're good, and one day we're not good. By the way, people around you notice it, and it's not okay. Okay? I mean, there's lines, okay? You ever meet somebody that just blows up and then they look at you and go, oh, I'm sorry, you know how I can be. What a lame excuse. (laughs) Just vomit all over somebody verbally and just go, well, you know how I am. Just hit somebody one day who does that. Well, you know how I am. I just tend to hit people. I don't know. It's just, I don't think you get the same response from people. Just hit them right in the, just right in the face. Well, you just verbally did that to me so I can strike you back, right? Is that how it goes? That wasn't even in the notes. That's just free. And I probably should clarify because now online, the pastor just told you to punch someone in the face. Please don't do that. I was kidding. Please don't edit this. I really hope I don't become famous for this. But so where was I going with that? I don't know. It's just, there's got to be a spiritual part here. No, I, I, in seriousness though, in seriousness though, I, I think a lot of times we do, we get in our emotions we let our flesh rule and reign in that moment, and we do. We say things, we, we lash out on people because we're frustrated. Can I give you an honest moment here? I just did it to my son before service. I was doing something, I'm going, I'm, and, and he asked me a question, and I just got frustrated, and I just went off. Not went off, went off, but I got aggressive. I snapped at him. I had to apologize to him and say, I'm really sorry about that. I was foolish. I had no right to talk to you that way just because I was frustrated. That doesn't give me an excuse to treat someone else poorly because I'm frustrated. It's my fault if I'm frustrated because I let the flesh get me there. Why do I lash out at someone else? By the way, we usually do that with people that are in our household, most, and, first and foremost, because we're most comfortable with them. And we know we can say whatever we want, and they're not going anywhere. But see, because we can be that way, guess what? That's not consistent and constant. That's not, we're not always Christ-like. We're not always loving. We're not always gracious. We're not always kind. And we need to grow in that and strive to do better, and myself included, Let's not use lame excuses because the world thinks it's okay that we think it's okay. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change. His faithfulness to you remains. And when he tells you something by the work of the Spirit through the Word of God, it is not for any other motivation than to glorify him and bless you. That does mean, however, he will say things we don't want to hear. That's a lot different than somebody in our lives just lashing out at us in anger. It's two very different things. Well, I needed to tell them that. Okay, but how you said it. Why you said it. We need to be very aware of that. I know I do. But when he speaks to us through his word and the spirit of God begins to open our mind to something, it might hurt in the moment like discipline should, right? Hebrews, again, discipline comes from the father because we're his children and he loves us. And that discipline doesn't feel good in the moment, but the benefit is worth it all. And so we understand that his faithfulness guides the way he interacts with us. And it will guide the way he interacts with us in the future. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I actually wrote this in my notes because it's what popped in my head. Maybe it'll connect with you. Unlike Cole's cash, there is no expiration date on his faithfulness. I spoke to somebody. I know it did. <laughs> Revelation 21:5. Just going to reference it here, but I love this. We read this in Revelation 21:5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. We have a confident guarantee from the mouth of God that one day he will bring about the new heaven and the new earth and we will be with him forever, never to leave him. And he says from his own mouth, this is trustworthy and true. You can believe it. You can trust in it. It's a guarantee of his faithfulness. He was faithful. He is faithful and he will be faithful again. Now, this brings us to a question we must ask. The first question is, is God faithful? I pray that from his word, we've understood that, yes, he is faithful before, present, and future. He will always be the same. His character is faithfulness. So we can then trust him. Because he is faithful, we can trust him. But then the question arises in maybe many of our hearts and minds. I know it doesn't mine Why do we struggle with trusting God? if we, his word is so clear, I am faithful, you can trust me, I've been faithful, I am faithful, and I will be faithful again, then why do we struggle? In your notes, you'll see that point there. Why do we struggle with trusting God? And just in my own mind and just my own thoughts, I just kind of jotted down as the Lord was leading. I, I know for me, maybe where I could grow in this area that maybe help me not to struggle in this way. And I pray it would encourage you. The first thing I believe that we do that increases our struggle in trusting him is we let worry win. We let worry win. And we talked about this at the beginning a little bit. We let worry win. There is a pull on all of our hearts and minds to let the worst case scenario be our focus. We see the physical circumstances in our lives and struggle to trust the invisible God. This is really what it boils down to. We see the physical circumstances, the things we go through in this real life, in this real world. And we struggle because we see these things and we don't see the invisible God. I know he was faithful. I know he is faithful. I know he will be faithful again, but I really wish I could just see him. I wish I could just talk with him in person. I wish I could sit across the table from him and just have a conversation with him. And I know this is where a lot of Christians will say, oh, but brother, you can do that through prayer. You can do that through Bible study. You can do that through, yeah, I get that. But I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of times where I'm like, Lord, I really wish we could just have a conversation right now in person. I wish I could just see you. I wish I could just, but it's not how it is. And so we struggle because we let the worries of the things we see overtake us. We let worry win. That also should encourage you, worry doesn't have to win. Worry doesn't have to have victory over you. Fear has no place. We make the choice to let worry win. Like a wave, worry and fear crash into us and over us. We feel like we are drowning and can't catch our breath. When I was a kid one time, I remember I was at a pool for the first time, an actual in-ground, like big pool, city pool. And before that, all I ever been in was like a little above ground, you know, three foot, four foot pools. And I didn't realize that that pool over there started at three foot and went to like, I don't know, seven, eight feet, whatever it was. And I remember I was probably, I don't know, eight or nine. And I just, As a kid in the summer does, when he sees a pool, I drop my towel and I'm just running right for the deep end. And I can't swim. And I'm expecting when I go in, I'm just going to hit the bottom and come right back up. Because that's how I do in the little pools. And I just took off and I jumped full, just right in. Splash. and It was awesome. And so I couldn't reach the surface of the water. And I literally remember fighting just scrambling every part of my body trying to get out of that water. And I remember I reached the surface for a second because I hit the the bottom of the pool with nothing. I pushed my feet back out. And as I went above the water, gasping for air, just freaking out, panicking. I saw the the family we were with, the the mom just like does this like straight, like lifeguard dive into the pool. Like it was like out of a movie. And I I was like sucking in water. I thought I am going to die. Like, literally, I was freaking out. Now, it really wasn't that serious. They pulled me out. I coughed up some water, and everything was fine. But in that moment, to me, I was going down. I was drowning. I was going to lose my life. The, the mom that was there that pulled me out, she knew I'll be fine. Other people around knew it's only been so many seconds, and people are getting in to help. It'll be fine. But to me, I was drowning. I had no hope of living. And so I think sometimes in our lives, it's like that when we let worry win. To us, we're drowning. People on the outside looking in, they don't see it as a big deal. They don't think of it as a big deal. Uh, They'll be fine. They'll be okay. There's people there to help. But we have to be careful because we let ourselves start to believe this perception that we're going down, that there's no hope, there's no chance of living, I'm just going to lose it. The key is we have to let people help us and remind us of what God's word really says. Not you're good enough and you'll be fine and you just keep doing what you do and you'll be great. No, no, no. I don't need that kind of encouragement. We can get that in the world. I need someone to say that that Jesus Christ is with you and in you through the spirit. He has a purpose and a plan and he'll be with you. It's not going to look like what you want it to look like, but he's got you, right? Amen. Seriously. We need to remember that. Because I think so often we let other things dictate to us and we let fear and worry overtake us but we need to keep our eyes on him. I was so thankful when I saw that person jumping in the water because that glimpse of that did make me think, I wonder if they're coming to get me. Maybe they're coming to get me. And here's the thing, Jesus Christ came to us. We were drowning in our sin and he rescued us. He sustains us and he keeps us by his grace. So have we let worry win? Have we thought the only option is to let it overtake us? I love a famous quote by Cory ten Boone. It speaks well to this idea. She said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. We cannot add one second to our lives or one inch to our status by worrying about it. Worrying about it will not in any way help the situation. Planning, preparing, and those things will help. Being concerned about something to take steps of action, that's fine. But worrying, stressing, letting fear win, that will not help. The key is that if you find yourself worrying about it, then you can and should pray about it. If it's big enough for you to worry about, it's big enough for you to pray about. No matter how big or small, take it to him in prayer. The Bible tells us very clearly, be anxious or worry for nothing, but in all things, make your request known unto God. So why do we struggle so much, so much with trusting God? We let worry win. But secondly, we listen to the world more than the word. We listen to the world more than the word. The word of God speaks a completely different message, and it's so simple. The word, world says Fear. Worry, consume, get ahead, be better than them. The Bible's message is so clear. Trust. Just trust. Trust in him. You believe in God, believe also in me. I love that he says in that passage, in my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, I told you the truth. And it's evidenced in all that I've done and all that you're going to see. You trust in God, trust also in me. So what is the largest or rather the biggest voice in your life right now? What is it that has the, the largest platform in your life? What speaks the most into your life? Is it the world through media, through others, through situations in life? Is it the world's way of thinking about things? Or is it the word of God? Which one do you dedicate more time to when you listen to what you should be thinking and doing? To be honest with you, myself included at times, sometimes getting off social media is a great idea. Oftentimes getting off social media is a great idea. Turning off the news is a great idea. Stop listening to certain people that always want to share with you that new thing you should be freaked out about. Isn't there always that person? They always got something they're worried about and they want you to worry too. Because if you worry with them, then that comforts them and they feel better about it. Because I'm not the only one that's worried about this. What has the largest platform in your life? What do you listen to the most? Is it the word of God or is it the world? He has been, is, and always will be faithful to us through Christ. And I want to ask you two more simple questions in application and these are in your notes. What is one way you can trust God more this week? What is one way? Don't think of all the ways. Well, I got to trust him with all of this. It says, no, no, start with one thing. What's one thing you can trust him more this week in that area? And what is something you have been worrying about that you can surrender into his hand? Something that you've been worrying about that you can surrender to him this week. Maybe you would spend time this morning as we close in prayer and have a time of invitation in just a few moments. And maybe you would begin to pray about that. And ask God, God, where would you have me to trust you more? What am I worrying about this week? Because that thing I'm worrying about really just reveals where I'm trusting you least. Thank you for your faithfulness. Maybe you would come this morning and you would just bow a knee and say, Lord, I just want to thank you for being faithful that you have been, are, and will be faithful. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that you've not seen the faithfulness of God in your life currently. You've gone through something or going through something, and you just are struggling because, you know what, I want to believe he's faithful, but man, I wish he would show up once in a while because I just don't feel like he is. Maybe you'd come and say, Lord, help me to step out by faith and to trust that I walk by faith and not by sight. To trust that you have been faithful and you will be faithful again. Whatever God is doing, would you respond to him as we Pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. And Lord, we ask that as we spend this time in prayer this morning, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have for us. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. It is undeserved. We have not earned your faithfulness, we have done nothing to merit it but yet you show yourself good to us, consistent and constant. The greatest demonstration of that faithfulness was when you, Lord Jesus, were born of a virgin. You took on flesh so that you might live a sinless life, die on a sinner's cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, and rise again on the third day so that anyone, no matter our background, no matter our situation, no matter our sin, That anyone who cries out to you, that admits and confesses their sin, repenting of that sin, meaning they agree that it's sinful and they desire to turn from it and to turn to you. They call out to you and they ask you to save them. They believe that you died on the cross for their sin and that you were buried and rose again. And we surrender our lives to you. There is no greater act of faithfulness that you could ever demonstrate. And if we trust you for nothing else that we've seen you do in our lives, we trust you because you died for us. You were buried and you rose again that we who are undeserving of salvation and forgiveness of sin might experience the the forgiveness that we need, that we'd be saved and redeemed and restored. And when we leave this world, we'll be in your presence, in your heaven forever. So, Lord, I pray that if we can trust you for nothing else, that we would trust you because you are so good and so loving to do all that was needed that we might know you as Savior. And so, Father, I pray that you would encourage our hearts and minds that if there's somebody here, Lord, really worrying about something, and I know we think of the little things, but, Lord, there's big things that come into our lives, and I pray if they're worrying about that, that fear is trying to win, Lord, I pray that they would know they can trust you Share that with you. Make the request known through prayer. Just allow your spirit to comfort them. And so, Father, again, in all of this, I pray that you would be glorified, that you would open hearts and minds for whatever we need to do, that we would respond and make those choices, trusting you more this week and worrying less. Father, we love you. And again, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray they'd make that decision before they leave this place because those who don't know you will pay for their sin by being separated from you for all eternity in a place called hell. And I pray, Lord, they would know that's not their only option. They can trust in you for eternal life. Father, again, we thank you for all of this, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we sing a song of imitation? Would you come this morning? Would you thank him for his faithfulness? Would you ask him to grow your faith in him? If you're worrying about anything, come and make it known. Come and pray and say, God, you take care of this. I'm leaving it in your hands. Whatever God is doing, would you respond as we sing?